are listening to the Paranormal Chronicles radio show. Here is your host, paranormal researcher and author of the best-selling A Most Hunted House, Gavin Lee Davis. Welcome, my name is JL Davis, founder of ParanormalChronicles.com and author of the international bestseller that is Haunted Horror of Haverford West, the book that reviewers have been calling one of the most terrifying books ever written. Thank you for joining me as we peer into the darkness, exploring all manner of paranormal and spiritual experiences as we broadcast to the world from Pembrokeshire, West Wales. This series is brought to you by sick-books.com. Sick-books is the epicenter of a supernatural reading universe, where the greatest minds in the paranormal and the spiritual present their books. Head over to sick-books.com today and open your mind. Thank you to everyone that follows, and remember followers are put into a monthly prize draw, where one lucky follower can win a sick-books.com book. So listen, download, and follow. I am blessed to interview some of the greatest paranormal minds on the planet. There are guests on this series that you will only hear here. Plus, I present on-location reports from spooky places and share to you my collection of recorded ghost stories. So, explore the archive, download, and follow. This show is about you enjoying great storytelling and accounts from our guests. I love this as much as you do. If you have an experienced account of theory to share, then find us on Instagram and Facebook as The Paranormal Chronicles, on Twitter at Paracron, or simply email paranormalchronicles at aol.com on tonight's show. What mysteries lay hidden in the jungles of South America? Why is there a mysterious lost tribe with blue eyes and fair skin deep in the forest? How has one man's paranormal experiences led him on a worldwide adventure? Tonight I am honoured to speak to Rob Jung, author of the critically acclaimed Cloud Warriors. Rob Jung studied at Renona State University and earned his law degree at Harvard Law School. He is a lawyer, writer, entrepreneur, world traveller and thespian. He even wears an adventurous hat. He is amazing. You will love his interview on how Cloud Warriors all came together. Rob's terrifying story about how he used tribal poison in early medical experiments is truly chilling. Stay tuned for that. So, grab your hat and whip as we head off on a paranormal adventure on with the show. Our listeners love hearing of personal experiences. Could you tell us of your own paranormal and strange experiences? I guess I don't know whether it's quite a lot. I've had several, and I really didn't think about them necessarily as strange experiences at the time, but they were out of the normal, I guess. That makes them paranormal. By the way, before I get into those, I think everybody has them. I just think that most people just don't recognize them um, or don't want to think about them because they can't explain them. But the first one is really simple. I was sitting at a at a counter in our kitchen. Truthfully, I don't even remember what I was doing, but there was a glass of water, about a half full glass of water sitting on the counter. And I watched it move across the counter about, I don't know, maybe a foot and then tip over and spill the water. Ooh. That's weird. That's the only time ever anything like that ever happened. Now, here's the interesting thing. We were living in a particular house and three, probably the three most prevalent, we're using the word paranormal here, but out of the ordinary events came while I was in that house. My wife traveled a great deal for her work, including in Africa. She came back on one of her trips from Africa with three chalk paintings that she bought on a sidewalk 
from an artist. And one of the paintings, they're all paintings of people. One of the paintings looked like a warrior of some sort. I think she bought these in Nairobi. That painting, we always said, was haunted because it would it would almost, it, I can't explain the sound, but it would be like it would crackle. There'd be a strange crackling noise when we'd be in the room and we figured out that it was coming from this one painting of the three. We had the three paintings side by side and hung on the wall in the living room. But this one painting is where this crackling sound always came from. We always kiddingly said, you know, that painting's haunted. We moved from that house to another house, took the paintings with us, hung them up, and never again did we hear that sound. Yeah, it's kind of strange. And yeah. uh, the, so maybe he tipped over the water. I don't know. <laughs> he was whatever he was. He was he was rather benign and, and not not unfriendly. And the third event, the most personal event, really, that happened also happened in this house was my dad died, and this has got to be like you know a year to eighteen months, maybe two years later after he died. I woke up in the middle of the night for no apparent reason, and he's standing at the end of the bed, and I heard words in my head. I didn't, you know, they weren't audible, but words in my head that he said, "I'm leaving now," and that was it. He's gone. The apparition, of, if you will, was gone. But I can remember that and see that as clear as you know. And that was, well, I don't know, probably uh, twenty, twenty-five years ago. How did it make you feel? Was it comforting? Did it put you at ease? It did put me at ease. It didn't frighten me. It was like, wow. I think as much as anything, it just convinced me that there are things way outside of our comprehension and outside of our comfort zone that exist, coexist with us that we don't understand. Yeah. I have a couple of people that I know that I think have special gifts with respect to being able to intuit those kinds of events. Uh, one of whom is my sister-in-law, who is, she calls herself a spiritual medium or spiritual guide, but she is actually my model for the medium in, in Cloud Warriors. And that character is patterned after my sister-in-law. And some of what shows up in the book about Carrie Waters is actually my sister-in-law's life story. It was an interesting three or four hours I sat with her. Like I used to be a newspaper writer, and I basically interviewed her as if I was then a newspaper writer and just spent three or four hours asking her about her life and when she first became aware that she had this, I called it a gift. She said, it's not a gift. <laughs> she said, Sometimes it's a curse. It's an attribute. She said, nevertheless, it's, you know, it's, it's reality. And, and I have another friend who, who has a similar, although they differ in, the, in how they comprehend what's going on in this, I guess, extraterrestrial other world that most of us only get little bits and glimpses into, or maybe not at all. I don't know. She's another person that has this sort of amazing gift of being able to see things and hear things and understand things and predict things that most people don't have. So you'd never subscribe to this kind of belief until you met these people? Or was it something that was quite common to believe in within your family? It was not common to believe in among my family. I, I really, you know, notwithstanding all of these things, was still a, a skeptic about, you know, most of what I heard or read or saw with respect to, I call it the other world, because it's just a phrase or a word that I've coined, until I really sat down with my sister-in-law and she told me her life story. And it then became a real thing. I had no questions about her veracity or her sanity. And suddenly it gave me not only, you know, did it give me the sort of the glue that brought Cloud Warriors together, because now I had a way to make people 
communicate from astral suspension from halfway around the world from a different language that it didn't seem to make any difference as she explained it to me without ever knowing what the story was about not that my story was about because i asked her questions like uh, you know have you ever had the situation where you were communicating with someone who you know didn't speak english and yeah. she said yes because it's not like you're hearing somebody's voice it's like you're you're sensing what they're saying and what the language is is immaterial did you have a story in particular about something with extra hangers and missing socks something (laughs) it's it's just one of my sort of tongue-in-cheek things that i think is you know when you talk about uh, about things that that are inexplicable unexplainable that happen in your lives. I don't know if it happens in your life, but somehow I always end up with a hundred extra hangers in my closet about every three months. <laughs> and I think to myself, now, wait a minute, where did these come from? Or you put your laundry in the clothes washer and you always come out with five socks that don't match up with any pair. I mean, where did the other ones go? <laughs> so I, I was, I, I, my explanation was, well, the other socks that you lose in the wash end up as being extra hangers in your closet. Um, and, and so... I mean, it's it's got really nothing to do with paranormal, but it just is. It does. It's it the, does. Rough. It's the it's the str- or maybe it does, but it's the strangest thing because everybody I know talks about the same thing. You lose socks, you get hangers. Maybe there's a leprechaun playing a trick on us or something. Well, if there's any scientists so, out there listening, and you know why Rob's <laughs> hangers and socks go missing, please could you contact him after the show because <laughs> yeah. I think it would put his mind at rest. But it's one of those things that we all are concerned about is the odd socks i was convinced for ages that there was a one-legged man living in my attic secretly <laughs> there you go i like your explanation That's yeah good. he's up there now he's he's hopping about in his one leg with his one sock text us all maybe we've all got one up there so uh, there you go so you wrote cloud warriors right which is an exceptional yeah. book it is absolutely superb now could you give our listeners an insight into the book and the paranormal elements it contains well, the book is, if, if I were going to do an elevator speech, I would say that the book is a historical thriller that is really a fountain of youth story. The book, the historical part of the book is uh, that it arises out of a small group of indigenous natives of Peru that were part of the Incan Empire. What makes it unusual is that they are light-skinned, fair-haired, and blue-eyed, oh. um, which, which obviously is an anomaly. Uh, for that area of the country in terms of what people ordinarily look like. The Incas called them the Chachapoyas, which translates from Quechua, which was the Incan language, to English and is either cloud people or cloud warriors. They got the name or were given the name because these this little conglomeration of tribes lived in the very top of the Andes Mountains up among the clouds. That I spent a lot of time in Peru, thanks to my wife, and uh, that that's historically accurate. So that tribe idea. actually existed. Those people actually yeah. existed. Yeah, it was a it was a conglomeration of tribes that existed in the Andes Mountains in northern Peru and southern Ecuador, and were conquered by the Incas about a thousand, about a hundred years before Pizarro came in and conquered the Incan Empire. So my story really revolved around or evolves out of that. And it is a story of a remnant of one of those fair-haired, light-skinned tribes that escapes from the top of the Andes Mountains, escapes from Pizarro's onslaught, if you will, and hides out for 600 years in 
the rainforest at the base of the Andes Mountains. It's an area called the Montaña. That is 25,000 square miles of rainforest that is still to this day never been fully explored. So in my now fictional story, this this small remnant of the Chachapoyas cloud warriors uh, has lived there, survived there, and lived a very primitive life that is very much like it was 600 years earlier when they they came down the mountains and hid in the rainforest. Well, they're discovered by an anthropology professor who's leading a summer college program in the rainforests of Peru looking for things that the Incas did, the buildings and the structures and the artifacts and things like that. And that's what the, they trip over, literally over this, uh, a couple of members of this tribe suddenly becomes the potential to be the, you know, the biggest discovery related to the Incan empire since uh, Machu Picchu. The story uh, evolves without trying to give too much away. The anthropology professor uh, accidentally poisons himself with a uh, arrowhead poison of this tribe and ends up in a state of animated suspension, astral suspension, I mean. His body, he's still physically alive, but his his spirit is floating out in the ether. And the way he ends up communicating is through this young medium, this young woman, Carrie Waters. And as a result, she, she tries to find a antidote for this poison. And in the process, she makes contact with the shaman from the tribe that uh, the professor discovered. This sounds uh, excellent. And, what an excellent book. <laughs> and, it, and learns of that this uh, particular poison that has not killed but rendered in a coma, basically, uh, the professor is, has got dual aspects to it. Number one, if it gets in your bloodstream, it kills you. Uh, number two, if you ingest it, it can extend your life expectancy. And she learns that the, this tribe has had, since the time of the Incas, has had only six shaman, which means the average life expectancy of the shaman was 100 years yeah. each on the average, while the average life expectancy of a member of this particular tribe was about 30 years. Yeah. This information becomes known to a pharmaceutical executive of a pharmaceutical company who wants to exploit it, and the story comes down to a battle for survival by this tribe against the exploitation of a rather ruthless pharmaceutical company. That's how it all comes about. So that's kind of the storyline. Okay. How difficult is it to write about astral suspension and characters that live half a world away who only speak an ancient archaic language? <laughs> you know, it, it's interesting. I didn't find it hard at all. I found actually writing about the tribe that is in the rainforest and that is trying to hide and stay hidden and their rituals and their habitat and the process they went through, I found to be exhilarating. It was some of the most exciting parts of the writing for me in the book. I think, and I've had several readers tell me that it was some of the best writing I did, uh, came about while I was writing about the tribe. The paranormal part of this, of course, is the, the medium who is the community link who makes contact with first of all the professor whose name is, is Terry Castro and then with the shaman and creates this three-way link of communication between the three of them the mystical part of the tribe's culture and religion if you will and the mystical and the and the the extra extra normal otherworldly communication between someone in astral suspension as opposed to someone passed away which most media, you know, you think ordinarily of mediums kind of talking to the people who are uh, on the other side, you know, who've passed away. Well, in this case, again, my sister-in-law said, no, I have actually had conversations 
not you know when i say conversations you got to understand it's not like you and i talking now conversations in your brain where no audible words are articulated but where you're communicating with somebody like you experienced with your father that time in a sense yes exactly like that only much more elaborate much more uh, extended my sister-in-law says she has been able there's a couple people in her that she has met who are also have the same kind of gift that she does that where they are they live i mean halfway across the united states from each other yet they have a sense when something's going on with each other and will sort of astrally communicate and then ordinarily she said when that happens either she will call me or i'll call her because we know that something's happening and so it's that kind of a communication thing. Well, it gets a little more precise in the, my book, in Cloud Warriors. That's the paranormal part of it, I guess. It's, it's a combination of that kind of communication. And then the, the very spiritual events that the tribe, the, the tribe is called the Chilco in the book. The Chilco were one of the tribes that were the Chachapoyas. And I just picked it because it's easy to pronounce. Because <laughs> some of the names are not. And uh, their communication with their own God, their own spiritual side that that are the paranormal parts of the book and which i really had no intention when i started writing it of having anything paranormal in it whatsoever that the book just evolved that way which i think is a telling tale about how i write i write with a, a story arc in mind but without details key characters and the story and then i start to write and sometimes the story goes off in its own direction but all the key elements were there in your life you have your own paranormal experiences you have your sister who's a medium and obviously her abilities you're in peru thanks to your wife and all of it is there and you've got historical facts based on an actual tribe so all the components were there it was almost as if you had to write this book (laughs) well it was interesting because this is actually the third novel that i wrote, but it was the first one that i had published because the first two in my own opinion weren't good enough to see the light of day i love history you know everything i've written has some actual historical underpinning that starts me my mind twirling I love to tell stories. I was a storyteller long before I was a novel writer. I was a newspaper writer long before I was a novel writer. But this one just sort of evolved, and I I got started on it and uh, was fascinated by it. The other thing, the other historical part of it is there is a, oh, I don't know how far back it goes, but at least to the beginning of the 20th century, the uh, the indigenous tribes in, in Central and South, Northern South America, anyway, have had a uh, arrowhead poison called Karahari. It became part of, and still is, uh, in some derivative part, of Western medicine, but Karari was their arrowhead poison. And it was, each tribe kind of had its own version of it, but it was unique in the fact that if you got poison into the bloodstream, which, you know, shooting arrows or blowing darts, that's what would happen. It would kill the target eventually, you know, in fairly quick order, because what it did was it paralyzed the, the voluntary muscles of the body. And ordinarily, that would mean that eventually, fairly quickly, you couldn't breathe anymore and you died of suffocation. That's how the animals died when they shot them, the birds or whatever they were hunting. Interestingly, you could go and immediately eat that, whatever you just killed, because if you do get it, if you just ingest it, and you don't get it in your bloodstream, the poison doesn't bother you, doesn't hurt you. It, that's, I mean, that's historically accurate. Yeah. Um, Western medicine learned that the hard way because when they discovered it, they thought what they had found was a natural anesthesia. But unfortunately, what they learned relatively quickly yeah. was that, well, the person who was appeared to be anesthetized through the use of this Karari stuff was, could really feel and hear and see everything that was going on. They just oh. couldn't say anything. They couldn't respond to it. They, I mean, all their voluntary muscles were rendered useless. 
including their tongue, their voice. And the only way it was discerned finally after they had, you know, doctors had used this for some period of time was, at least this is the anecdotal story, whether it's true or not, I can't say, but a tear that rolled out of an eye and down the cheek of one of these people who was supposedly anesthetized. And it was from that emotional reaction, that painful reaction, that they finally realized that what they were doing was torturing these people because they could feel and hear and see whatever the doctors were doing. That's a horrendous story. Oh, God, it's awful. But that's Karari. That's the, that's the historical background of Karari. Oh. Take into account that I don't can't vouch for the accuracy of that discovery story. It sounds uh, right. It sounds like something we do, isn't it? It sounds, it sounds plausible anyway. That's what medicine is. It's trial and error. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. A, a derivative of Karari, it's a plant-based poison, but the derivative of it is still used in, in Western medicine for some purposes relative to surgery. But anyway, that this tribe's version of Karari is what the pharmaceutical company is trying to exploit. Which is what they would do, and they probably have sure. that. Yeah. Maybe there's more truth to this story than fiction. I don't know. I was going to say, anyway. I don't think this is a fictional book at all. I think this is, you know, you've tapped into real life events and you're worried because the pharmaceutical company going to kill you. But you've just said, oh, no, it's OK. It's fictional. When in fact, it's all true, Rob. Well, I think whether it's all true or, or whether it isn't, I don't know. But I, I found in my own rather lengthy life that you can tell stories about things that make people think. Whereas if you told them as a true story or as your own advocacy of some position would otherwise incense them. Otherwise they would find indefensible and 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 they would have adverse reactions to it. The truth is that Cloud Warriors is sort of my my railing against the greed of the pharmaceutical industry. But told in a fictional sense, people can read that and say, that's really something we should think about, you know, or that's that's interesting or yeah, I can identify with that. Whereas if I came out and just, say, did a screed on how greedy pharmaceutical companies are and how dangerous they are and how inhuman they are and all that kind of stuff. I'd get pushback from all sorts of angles that say, uh, you know, you're biased or you're you're crazy liberal or you're whatever. Politically, uh, you know, you'd want not to believe. So you're telling it as an entertaining story. That's also with respect to the paranormal aspects of this. I've had numerous people tell me, you know, once I got over the, the skepticism, kind of bought into the idea that this kind of communication can possibly go on. So I think, in a sense, writing a, a story that I would say, <laughs> let's call it paranormal light, yeah. you know, that, that has paranormal aspects to it, but is really a believable story, a story that people can identify with, I think opens up people's minds to the possibility that there are things that we don't understand that coexist with us in this orb that we call earth we will be right back after these important messages i've never met a dead person i didn't like is the extraordinary travels of a young alone and broke psychic in the highly anticipated new book from internationally renowned psychic medium medical intuitive and best-selling author sherry dillard critics have described i've never met a dead person i didn't like as an engrossing memoir an empowering story of how a broken girl came to accept her psychic gift. A refreshing and fun read, I've Never Met a Dead Person I Didn't Like, is available through Amazon, Kindle, Barnes & Noble, and wherever books are sold.
How far would you go to protect the children in your care? Nyla's Babies is the terrifying, chilling book from Jack Simonson, in which a young nanny battles an ancient demon for the souls of the twin babies in her care. Critics have heralded Nyla's Babies as an impressive and vivid imagined story, compelling and devilishly spooky, shocking and haunting. Nyla's Babies is available on Amazon, Kindle or wherever books are sold. Visit CosmicEgg-Books.com for more on Nyla's Babies. Sixth books will take you to other worlds, haunt you, open your mind and push you far beyond the veil of the unknown. Sixth Books is a leading publisher of books on the body, mind and spirit, the paranormal, consciousness, ancient wisdom and the afterlife. Explore today, learn today, open your mind today, read today. Visit sixth-books.com today. The world as you know it is about to change. Do you wish for more paranormal and spiritual content? The Paranormal Chronicles magazine is a free digital magazine crammed with the very best in paranormal and spiritual articles and features. No sign-up, no subscription, just free reading and knowledge for you. Read today at www.theparanormalchronicles.com forward slash magazine. Hi there, my name is Claire Waters and I would like to invite you on an incredible journey. I have written a book based on my personal experiences called Raising Faith a true story of raising a child's psychic medium. It's my family's extraordinary experiences with our young daughter's ability to communicate with spirits and the inspirational lessons learned on our journey. Raising Faith is currently available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Kindle, and wherever books are sold. Join me on this beautiful and incredible adventure. For more information on Raising Faith, visit my website, raisingfaith.co.uk, or my Facebook page, Raising Faith Book. See you there. The international chart-topping, haunted horror of Haverford West has been described as terrifyingly real, a must-read, shocking and chilling brilliance, genuinely worrying, utterly frightening. Don't read before bed. Described as one of the spookiest writers out there, best-selling author G.L. Davies presents Haunted Horror of Haverford West. The true paranormal account that is shocking the world. Dare you enter? Dare you read? Haunted. Horror of Haverford West is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Kindle, and wherever books are sold. Pray you never have to live there. That's perfect, okay? Because that segues really nicely because you describe an other world. What is this and how did you become to believe in it? The other world description is is, is really a, a phrase or a word that I've coined as part of my writing of this book, this particular book. I have a writer's group that I write with and we're all fiction writers, but we all write different kinds of fiction. There are a couple of writers in the group. One is a flat out science fiction writer who is a, as a consequence is, is a world builder and imagining has to imagine and create worlds different than the one that we at least perceive that we live in. Another one writes uh, young adult fiction and 
has the particular novel that he's working on right now is set in a future setting. And so consequently writes in a world that is similar, but still different than ours because it is somewhere in the future after some sort of cataclysmic world event. Those are all other worlds in my book. And I, even though some of them are, are figments of our imagination, I'm become convinced that there are these other world, this other world, or I really think there are multiple ones. I think it's like trying to play three-dimensional chess or something like that. All we as human beings, for the most part, except for a very few of us who, who have a gift, all we're saying is that one dimension, that flat dimension, if you will. The other dimensions, whether they're time dimensions or whether they are, they are physical dimensions, I don't know, but I really do believe that there are multiple multiple dimensions, and we only comprehend part of it. It's sort of analogy to we only use what, 10% of our brain capacity yeah. or something like that. And if we ever could figure out how to use the rest of it, who knows what we would realize or recognize or, or understand. I've become convinced that there are multiple dimensions. It really, if you think about it, if you are a believer in a higher power, most people, at least in our part of the parts of the world, call that God, but you can put a, any kind of name you want on it. And that's a dimension we don't understand. Think of faith the word faith. Faith is a belief in something that you can't see, can't touch. All you do is believe. Well, if that isn't a dimension other than our single layer flat dimension that we deal with on a day-to-day -day basis, then nothing is. And so if there is that dimension that we have faith in that exists, if you, if you try to get out of the, at least the blinders that a lot of religious people put on and say, my God is the only God, my faith is the only faith. You know, if you realize or, or accept the idea that, yeah, Yes, there is a higher power, or maybe higher powers, I don't know, but there is a higher power that exists in a dimension we can't understand and we can't see and we can't touch. You read the Bible, you read the Quran, you read the Torah, there are other beings, if you will, not human beings, but spiritual beings. Yeah. <laughs> and they are part of that other dimension, or at least another dimension. I find nothing extraordinary about believing that there are these dimensions. I, I'm overworking the word, but there are there are other aspects of that we live in that we just don't have the wherewithal to fully understand. And usually because we don't, we don't even pay attention or see them. Whereas if we if we open our eyes to the possibilities of this, I think that we all would realize that there are things that happen in our lives that we can't explain based on science or based on our life experience or based upon what we ordinarily do on a day-to-day -day basis. And how those fit, where they fit, I don't know because I don't understand this, but if you think of it in, in my paradigm of three-dimensional chess, those those are somewhere down in the second or the third or fourth or fifth or sixth dimension yeah. uh, that we are unable to comprehend on an ordinary basis. I take it writing Cloud Warriors affected your own belief in a higher power. Well, I have always, not always, I have grown to believe that there is a higher power. And whether it's one or whether it's multiple, I don't know the answer to that. Whether we all, all are answerable, let's put it that way, or subject to one higher power is way beyond on my comprehension. What's convinced me way before Cloud Warriors, what's convinced me of this is that as a student of history and a student of anthropology and archaeology, which has always fascinated me, I am unaware, and, that's, and I'm putting it that way because I don't claim to have 
studied every society and every civilization and every little tribe. But I am unaware in, in the, the, all the studying and the reading that I've done of any one group, social group of people that has gotten together as a society, whether it's a small tribe or whether it's the Egyptian empire or whether it's the United States, where there has not been a belief that there is something, some being higher than human that influence, impacts, and helps guide our lives. In other words, to put it in shorthand, every society that I know about from the time we started to understand and record history has a God at the center of it. Yeah. More than anything, that has convinced me that uh, there's, oh, I think, can't think of his name, but there's a, there's a great theologian. The line I'm thinking of is he said, there's a God-shaped void inside every human being. And I think that that's what's convinced me that there is a higher power. We are ultimately subject to and answerable to that higher power. Cloud Warriors is just kind of, a, I think, of a reflection and maybe, you know, an internal affirmation of that belief. That higher power has, I think, spiritual aspects to it that we get a little glimpse of maybe now and then, but it's far more complex and far beyond our understanding and comprehension. So I think to say it affected it would be to say yes, but it was more, it didn't mold my thoughts on higher power, didn't mold my thoughts on my belief in a God, was a a reflection of my my personal religion. I hate the word religion. My personal spiritual position, spiritual journey. Religion is man-made, and it is a cause of probably more death yeah. than, than any other single thing in the history of mankind, because we fight over religion. We fight because ours is right and theirs is wrong, and we know the way and they don't, and we fight over that. And I think that the higher power just cringes at that. Or maybe it's the higher power's way of making sure we don't get overpopulated. I don't know. I interviewed a couple of episodes ago. The episode is called Aliens, God, or the Matrix. And we had the author of Blink of an Eye called John H.K. Fisher. It's an incredible interview that if our listeners ever want to check it out. John essentially spent 50 years of his life with a spiritual group trying to find out what God's purpose was with us. And the master of the group had these incredible paranormal abilities. Just turned around to John and said, oh yeah, God just plays us off against each other for his amusement. And that crushed John. And he left the cult, just left the group he just left it all together yeah, yeah. crushed and just came up then with a brand new philosophy that actually aliens engineered us or we're living it in a matrix like construct he was kind of hoping that the harder you work towards your spiritual enlightenment the better person you are the more worship you do get that vip section in heaven amazing guy you two need to talk what's next for rob young what other projects you have lined up well i'm working on a book right now that a sequel to a, a book that i wrote after it was the second novel I wrote, and then while Cloud Warriors was in the process of getting published, I rewrote it, and it's now out, and it's called The Reaper, and I'm writing a sequel to that. I think from the standpoint of your audience, uh, Gavin, uh, the the next project after this is done is a, is a project that I've wanted to write for some time, and it is, at least the working title of it is First Witch, and it is about the historical part that underpins the book is the woman who was the first witch burned at the stake in Ireland somewhere in the 1300s, early in the 1300s. And it is the story of how that came about and who was supposed to be burned at the stake instead of her. And uh, the historical part of it then evolves into a mystery and a murder. And the story arc goes through Charlie Chaplin and wow. through a piano tuner. <laughs> 
And I won't tell you more than that, but because it involves witchcraft, at least as it was perceived in the 1300s by the church in Ireland, there will be paranormal aspects to it of some kind. I'm not sure of the exact extent at this point in time, because as again, I write from the seat of my pants, not from having it plotted out in advance. And sometimes the story surprises me, and sometimes it just turns into something delightful. So you go in to visit Ireland for research. Yeah, the reason I want to do this is because the idea for the book came on a trip to Ireland I took a couple of years ago. I learned of a series of events, if you will, and I, I learned of Charlie Chaplin's love for Ireland and his love of the fact that he spent a lot of time there on the Ring of Kerry, you know. Uh, and then I took little bits and pieces of other things that have happened and occurred and I've learned and, and kind of wo- woven them together in the story arc that I've been really anxious to write for some time because I think it is a really good story. And I think it is a story that people will identify with and find intriguing, exciting, and hopefully it will end up being one of those stories that has wheels within wheels within wheels and will challenge the reader to try to to understand or to, to solve the mystery appears to be unsolvable. So it sounds like next. a very, very exciting project. And, you know, yeah, when you're in I, Ireland, I might come over and visit or come and visit us in Pembrokeshire, West Wales. It's a beautiful place. And I can show you in Hafford West where the last witch in the area was burnt. And someone oh. to this day, they made a monument and someone to this day hangs upside down flowers on that tomb. <laughs> I think what you just told me requires me to come and visit you in Wales. Actually, uh, from a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, a genealogical standpoint, I am part Welsh. Oh my God, we could be related, my, Rob. Thanks to my mother. We probably are someplace <laughs> along the way. Um, I think we just made a date because I, I will definitely come to visit. expect that will happen sometime, either uh, this winter or spring of 2020. Marvelous. Um, you come to Pembrokeshire. You I will. We'll go visit this site and, and talk about witches and upside down flowers. Oh, I will show you. Pembrokeshire is rich. It is such a deep tapestry of paranormal events, UFOs, demonology, hauntings, mythology, history, religion. It's a wonderful place. And the people are really nice. Now, I know we're not related because you look really good in a hat and hats don't suit me. <laughs> I just wanted to put that out there. I wanted to put that out there. And if listeners go out and find a picture of Rob and he looks great in a hat, and then find one of me and you'll see that I don't suit hats. So, Rob, how can our listeners contact you to find out about the wonderful work with Cloud Warriors, future projects, your travels? How can I contact you? The easiest way is to go to my website, www.robjungwriter, R-O-B. J-U-N-G writer.com and that will uh, let you contact me by email, by text and I, that's probably the best way to uh, to do that. Actually if you sign up to uh, be on my uh, email list then you'll get my, I write up during nine months out of the year, not during the summer but during the from September through uh, May I write a weekly blog The View from Middle Spunk Creek and I also have a monthly newsletter uh, and if you sign up uh, you'll get both of those and you'll be able to keep track of what I'm doing. I'm an avid reader, so I make recommendations on what to read, in my opinion. And uh, you'll see where books, how they're progressing and what events I'm involved in and where I'm going to be and all sorts of things. So I urge you and ask you to sign up. 
www.robjungwriter.com. So that's www.robrobjungwriter.com. Subscribe to Rob's newsletter. Find out all about his travels, more about Cloud Warriors. You know, this upcoming book project, The Last Witch, working title. Sounds amazing. Please, please keep in touch with Rob. If somebody sends me an email, they'll hear from me within 24 hours. And sometimes within five minutes. And for one dollar, Rob will send you a picture of him in a hat. <laughs> Actually, if you'll let me do it electronically, you don't even have to send me the dollar. And so. if you know where Rob's socks are going as well, can you email him as well? So, yeah. Rob, it's been a wonderful interview. It's absolutely been enlightening. Could you leave our listeners before you go with a final thought? I guess the final thought I would leave anybody with is be open to the unexpected, to the unexplainable, to the different. And that not only includes your own experiences, but includes all the people you come in contact with. That's wonderful, Rob. You're an absolute gentleman. I look forward to meeting you in real life. Thank you so very much for your precious time tonight. I will speak to you soon. Thank you. Thank you, Gavin. And, and thanks to your audience for hanging around and listening to me rattle on. There we have it. Rob Jung is a wonderful man who's keeping adventure and mystery very much alive. Rob Jung can be contacted at robjungwriter.com so you can follow his progress as he travels the world and earthing more mystery. Cloud Warriors is a superb breed and is most relevant in this day and age. So please give it a read and I sincerely hope to meet Rob in Ireland or right here in Pembrokeshire to talk about all things witchy. Rob has also contributed to the free-for-all, the Paranormal Chronicles digital magazine. Hundreds of pages and all manner of paranormal things from Bigfoot, UFOs, aliens, hauntings, ancient mysteries and more on Cloud Warriors. To read your digital magazine for free with no sign-up or no nonsense, just immediate read-in, then head over to www.theparanormalchronicles.com forward slash magazine. Issue 4 is due soon, so you will have four free magazines to read, all free, so head over to www.theparanormalchronicles.com forward slash magazine. I love giving you free stuff, so don't forget to follow as all our followers are put into a monthly prize draw and one lucky follower every month gets a chance to win a free paranormal book. It will be a paperback including shipping. So follow and you'll be entered into the draw and one of you will win a book. How simple is that? Plus, in September 2019, I shall be giving one lucky follower a £25 or dollar Amazon gift voucher for just following. So make sure you follow now. Enjoy the series archive, download it all, and enjoy hours worth of the very best interviews, plus on-location reports and ghost stories, all for you. Let me leave you with this. Rob and his cloud warriors got me thinking quite a bit about several things. And a Neil deGrasse Tyson quote seemed to sum it all perfectly. Everything we do, every thought we've ever had, is produced by the human brain. But exactly how it operates remains one of the biggest unsolved mysteries. And it seems the more we probe its secrets, the more surprises we find. Thank you for listening. Sleep well.